Hello there, and welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream and podcast, The Shot Centineer Show for Thursday, October 6th, 2022. We're going to preview week five in the NFL. I am Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders, joined as always by Mike Tanier. And our special guest this week is Cecil Lammy of 104.3, the fan in Denver. We're going to get deep into the Denver Broncos before tonight's Thursday night game with the Indianapolis Colts. We're also going to talk Atlanta, Tampa Bay and Dallas Rams and a couple of the other big games of this weekend. Don't forget, if you are watching the show live and you need to be watching the show live at one o'clock Eastern through YouTube or Twitch, please participate in the conversation. Ask us questions. We love to hear from you and talk to you about what is on your mind for week five in the NFL. Want to tell you about our sponsor. It's Underdog Fantasy. Come play with us and double your first deposit up to $100. Use promo code OUTSIDERS. NBA best ball season is still going. And even with NFL best ball season over, Underdog has other user-friendly game formats like Battle Royale. It's a six-round best ball style draft with simpler chances to win than traditional daily fantasy sports sites. Or try their Pick'em games where you can wager on the players' chances to go higher or lower than projected stat lines, even in states where traditional prop betting is not currently available, like my state. Underdog is the fastest growing fantasy site around. Join the fun, underdogfantasy.com, or download Underdog Fantasy at your favorite app store. Use the promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. All right. Gambling legal in in Colorado, man? Gambling legal there? Everything's legal in Colorado. So I don't know how far you want me to go into that, but I always say in Colorado, (laughs) we treat you like adults. I was going to say legal in Jersey too. So most things are legal in Massachusetts, but sports <laughs> sports betting is not yet there. It's in the middle of going through the legislature now, but we're not there yet. So <laughs> other things that you're thinking about are in fact uh, legal in Massachusetts. Okay, yeah, there we go. <clears throat> so in that way, we're like Colorado. Uh, let's talk about the Denver Broncos, man. Two and two, and I think disappointing everybody on offense. Um, it's funny because uh, they're not like surprising anyone on defense except me because I'm the one who was running around in the preseason talking about how last year's defense really wasn't as efficient as it looked and they were kind of a statistical mirage. And then they come out this year and they play as well on defense as everybody thinks they did last year. So that's not shocking everyone. But the offense is like everybody wants to know what's going on. And it's not just that they played the 49ers because they're 24th in DVOA and they've struggled in a lot of ways. So tell me what you're seeing there in Denver from Broncos offense. Yeah, the Broncos offense and the Broncos overall, just the most disappointing team in all of the national football league, in my opinion. I mean, expectations were really high when you make that big move for Russell Wilson, because you're thinking uh, ding dong, the Pat Shermer, which is dead. Right. And you're moving on. You've got Nathaniel Hackett. He's happy, fun, baby star and everything's positive. And you've got <laughs> Russell Wilson and everything's positive. I always laugh when people chirp at Russell Wilson and be like, he's always on. Yeah. He's Russell Wilson. He's the brand Russell Wilson. He's not just the man Russell yeah. Wilson. So uh, offensively, I think what you have is not necessarily a power struggle. And I do believe this will change. We can get into it as the conversation continues. But you have somewhat of a power struggle between Nathaniel Hackett wanting to do things his way, 
West Coast Shanahan way. That's fine. But Russell, Russell Wilson wants to do something else. And he still can be vintage Russ. He's not as runner-centric as he used to be, but he can still get up and scoot. I've seen every single practice that he's had uh, for the Denver Broncos. He can still run. They've just kind of maybe urged him not to run. When he does, at the end of games, when he's like, screw it, we got to win, and he starts being vintage Russ and run around making plays, that's when the offense has some spark. So I think there needs to be a come-together moment, right? And there needs to be Hackett and Wilson working more together. And it's actually Hackett giving up some of the control that'll make this thing work and say, okay, we want to do full West Coast, right? It's like when LaFleur went to Green Bay and had to get used to Aaron Rodgers. Right. You're seeing that with Hackett now. He's got to get used to Russell Wilson. And over time, Wilson will have to do what they want him to do. But right now, it hasn't looked good because there is that fight between the two. Shouldn't Hackett, have, having seen the LaFleur – Rogers' experience be more flexible in this regard? Yeah. I mean, he was right there for that. But I think you have a coach in Nathaniel Hackett. One, he's a good man. I call him happy, fun, baby star because he's always like super energetic and super positive and everything's great. Although I think he is now feeling the pressure. There's been six years in Broncos country since Super Bowl 50, six years that have been dog trash and six years that are the albatross around Nathaniel Hackett's neck. He didn't even know. He just showed up and they're like, here you go. And that's what he's got. He's got all of these last history to work with and to kind of drag with him. So you think he would be more open to that, but he also has had to have help in terms of game day management. He's had to reach out outside the building for that sort of help. You'd have Dom Capers here as kind of an assistant head coach, assistant defensive, everything. And, you know, you've got other young coordinators as well. Jaira Evro, first-time coordinator uh, on, on that side. Justin Otten, first-time coordinator on the offensive side, even though Hackett is the one who calls the play. So I think there's a lot on his plate, and he's learning that his eyes were too big for his stomach. Or stomach too big for his eyes? Whatever. I don't know. But either way, he's he's learning that this is a lot, and maybe I should pare down some of my responsibilities. I'll tell you, like, I went back and I watched the replay, the condensed replay of last week's game, and I didn't feel like Wilson, like, I didn't watch that game going, oh, my God, what is Wilson doing? Like, they were in a lot of bad and down-distance situations because of bad runs. Yes. And the the pressure that he felt, there was, like, one bad block by Cushenberry, but for the most part, it was guys coming in unblocked. He wasn't even holding on to the ball too long that much. Like, it was just... Like, I didn't feel like – I didn't come off of that game going, oh, God, Russell Wilson's doing his Russell Wilson thing again and it's not working. Like, I came off of that watching that going, I feel like he's he's playing fine. Like, the problems – there's problems around him, but at least in that game, that one game last week, he played fine. Yeah, you have a Nathaniel Hackett problem in Denver. You don't have a Russell Wilson problem. And when did Pete Carroll turn into, like, the ultimate troll – they're uh, dropping 50 with Geno Smith, right? I didn't know Pete Carroll had it in him, right? I was like, they chose Pete Carroll over Russell Wilson. What a mistake. Oh, my God. It's the opposite. And so, you know, they're dropping 50 with Geno because he does what he's told. Okay. Well, Russ is trying to be the good soldier with Nathaniel Hackett and do what he's told. But I have to clean it up for podcasts and radio purposes because there's a word I'd like to use. Peyton Manning was an aloha rearrange the letters and know what I'm trying to say. An a-hole, whatever. Peyton Manning was that. Right. Russell's not really that, and I kind of wish he was. I kind of wish he was a little bit more of an aloha where he's like, no, Hackett, we're not doing that. Because you think Peyton Manning listened to Adam Gase? <laughs> and got Adam Gase two jobs in this league, okay? So, right. like, Manning wasn't listening to him. 
but it did take some time. They were two and three. They were facing the Chargers in the sixth game. They were down by 24 at half. Then they never lost after that. They won that Chargers game with Peyton, by the way. It's ironic that this game is setting up where in week six, it is the Chargers on Monday night. Getting ahead of myself, but with Russell Wilson, I kind of wish he would throw off what Coach Hackett is saying a little bit, do his own thing. Because when he does do that, there are some Seattle narratives that I think are completely incorrect about Russell Wilson. Oh, he's washed up. No, he's not. Oh, he holds on to the ball too long. No, he doesn't. Uh, and anyone can look at that with time before pass stats. So like, and, and you know, it's all about him. Not really. There are misconceptions. There are, you know, he's got two chefs. He's got his own office. It, quarterbacks are just treated differently. Franchise quarterbacks are just on a different level. So if you're a player that is upset that Russell Wilson has his own office and he's got his own chef and his own, he has his own people that will tell the Broncos when he's done practicing. You know, <laughs> if you have a problem with that, then you have a problem with the franchise quarterback because that's what they see Russell as. Hmm. Right. That's the same thing you're going to see with the TB12 experience, the same thing you're going to see with the Aaron Rodgers experience. You get that with Russell Wilson. You're pay you asked for that with Russell Wilson, and now you're getting it. Right. How hot is the seat on Hackett, though, right now? I mean, obviously, it's five, four games into it. First yeah, tenure, but yeah. like I did talk to Adam Schefter this morning, mm -hmm. and I mentioned the name Sean Payton. I said, listen, Broncos country is mad. Broncos country is mad at Nathaniel Hackett. Broncos country likes to bring up Sean Payton. And I'm at, Adam said, Cecil, that's this, you're the second person to bring that up to me today, mm -hmm. this morning, today. And I was like, huh, who's the first? I didn't ask him. Right. But either way, he did acknowledge that Nathaniel Hackett is on the hot seat. Now, the Walton Penner group, this is what it's like. And, and I feel, I don't know, out of sorts because you have a real owner. <laughs> you don't yeah. have a pretend owner anymore. And God bless Joe Ellis. You know, he did his best in, in shepherding the Broncos after Mr. Bolin had to step away and then passed away. Um, but, you know, you have someone that can actually make the decisions from examining how the Walton Penner group do business is they just hire somebody else. Well, what? That's not, huh? I mean, if they're Robson Walton is worth what? 65 billion, 70 billion. Don't get me in a conversation of why we should have billionaires or why billionaires exist. That's a different show. A we'll different do that show. later. Right. Yeah. But when you have 70 billion, do you think you mess around when it's not working? You think you? Oh, we really like him. He's a real happy, fun baby star. He's a real nice guy. When you have seventy billion, do you think you just wait, or do you go? Who can we hire? What's it cost? Do it. I can't wait to see Sean Payton coach six teams next year, though. That's my favorite. He's gonna be like hot seating in a, in a video game. Where it's like, excuse yeah. me, I got to go to Dallas now, and after that, I'm I'm wanted to, to coach the Chargers. Then I'm gonna get back up there to the Broncos. And everyone's gonna... trading picks along the way to get him to go. You know? <laughs> yes. The Walton Jerry Jones, uh, a Walton versus Jerry Jones uh, auction there, uh, financial battle over who gets to hire Sean Payton uh, as they one up each other would be uh, interesting. Well, isn't Tepper the second richest owner in the NFL and it's like four billion? Right. Oh, that's Wal Walmart yeah. dude's got 70 billion. Like, eh, you know, he could, <laughs> he could buy and sell a few teams. That's true, sure. actually, because Panthers, the Panthers guy has a lot of money and they're going to need a new head coach and they're going to have a top rookie quarterback probably. Right, right. So you that's an attractive so. job. There's a lot of attractive jobs. I don't think Sean Payton is going to be out of the league very long. No, and I think New Orleans, who traded their pick away to uh, Philadelphia, which is now what, the number four pick of the draft today? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I think New Orleans, who's going to have to get a draft pick for Sean Payton, you know, I think. Are they? Uh, I thought he's only under contact. Again, and talking to Schefter this morning, because I brought up Denver and Schefter's like, well, you have to give up a first round pick and Denver doesn't have a first round pick. Oh, okay. I didn't realize he was still under contract. Yeah, I thought after one year, year. I thought after one year he could go elsewhere. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Shefty was off. It was early. I think he was still drinking his coffee. But uh, I trust we'll Adam Schefter to know more <laughs> about <laughs> the specifics of a Sean Payton deal than I do, to be perfectly yeah. honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you're going to have a lot. He's going to be in high demand, certainly. And one of the demands could be from Denver. Yeah. So the offense, like, you know, the, the running game is iffy, and it's going to be even more iffy now that Javante Williams has the massive knee injury that right. may affect the rest of his career. Cortland Sutton has been awesome. He's like third in our DYAR stats. Like on top of everything else, he's drawn three pass interference flags. Uh, Judy's been okay. Uh, Hamler like finally caught his first pass this week. That was a bomb. Uh, but it's like they're finally kind of like checking it. I mean, they missed Tim Patrick, but they're they were finally going to like, oh, well, we're finally going to get everybody on the field we want to get on the field. Um and then, and then Williams got hurt. And then the other I want to ask you about is the tight ends. Like the Colts yeah. are bad against tight ends, right? But who is the tight end now for Denver? They Albert O, who I'm not even going to try on the last name. Albert O played like one snap last week. What is he up? did? Yeah, and I thought it was funny. I talked to Justin Otten this week, and he was like, "We our plan is to use Albert Okuebun on more." I'm like, "What? Two snaps? <laughs> really?" Yeah, you you ain't got to lie to kick it, man. Like they don't like Alberto, and they don't like the fact that he's not a blocker. The game previous to the Raiders game, he played 22 snaps. Every single snap was a pass. That's what we call a tell. Yeah. What do NFL coaches not like? A tell. When Alberto is out there, that he can't block, and it's just a, it's been a problem. And in this system, we all know the Shanahan system. If you're a tight end that can kind of just get in the way. You could be a star in this. So it's going it, to be Greg Dulcich eventually, the third-round pick from UCLA. He yeah. can't block either, but he's got great hair, and the team really likes him. So right <laughs> now, for tonight's game, it's probably Eric Salbert. Yeah. Eric Salbert, right. yeah. From Eric Salbert there for your daily fantasy slates for tonight. Watch out. Colts are bad against tight ends. Yeah, yeah. He almost ran over me at the Shrine game down in Tampa. I went down there. Very first practice, uh, and you guys both know this. We all are like a, you know, a hen house when we get together, and all of us old heads get together. And we're like, blah, 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 blah. So I'm sitting there chatting with Dane Brugler, whoever, and like this player comes in, almost bowls me over on this out route. I almost get run over. I look up. It's Eric Salbert. So that's my claim to fame. It's as close as I've come to the football field. But, yeah, he's the guy because he's Russell's security blanket outside of Cortland Sutton. Sutton is his favorite. And Judy needs um, some motivation. But at the end of the day, I think we're seeing what he is. And he's just not that guy. You know, he's not that dude. Um, he's not Justin Jefferson. He's not that alpha. He can run routes and he can get open. But that's Alabama open. NFL open is you're covered. And Jerry Judy takes too long to get uncovered. He can do it, but he's doing all these moves and juking and jiving and everything. At the end. And by that time, especially when Teddy Bridgewater is a quarterback, Teddy's just <laughs> off of you. One, two, three, check, right? <laughs> Dump it off. And Jerry's like, uh, da, da, and then he's open. Drew Locke can't spell open. So that was the problem with those two. Now with Russell Wilson, he's given Jerry some love. He's, he's loving him up. But I'll tell you this, behind the scenes, he's getting in his kitchen. Because he's like, dude, you got physical talent is not a question with Jerry Judy. 
It's just getting dialed in to the plays and then understanding it's not always going to go to you, man. And when it doesn't, don't get discouraged. I will say this game might be the elixir that they need because the Colts have an average defense and I believe no Shaquille Leonard. Right. And their offense has been horrible. Their offense well, okay. has just been terrible. And now Jonathan Taylor free. Yes. For, for, for tonight, for Thursday night. So I have no idea what their plan is, but uh, you know, it's going to be Naheem Hines. They uh, Philip Lindsay's revenge game. Cause uh, yeah. Philip Lindsay was just promoted and that's two little speed guys in the backfield for a team that wants to run inside run over and over again. By the way, Todd Singer pointed out, thank you, Todd Singer. Uh, enjoyed my tank watch of the Indianapolis Colts, which is on the Football Outsiders website right now. You can read it and see some of the things that are going on. They're running nothing on their running game, but inside zone, inside zone, inside zone over and over again to Jonathan Taylor. It's not working. And I'm right. not sure what they're going to do tonight without Taylor. Yeah, DJ Jones, by the way, DJ Jones is number one among defensive tackles in ESPN's run stop win rate. So have fun inside zoning on it. Yeah, <laughs> DJ is going to just break it up all day and also get great pass rush on Matt Ryan, who will get to eventually with those nine fumbles and five picks. But with Naeem Hines, Matt Ryan's the second leading rusher for the Colts. Oh I think God. he has 12 yards. Top of my head. Ow! Ow! He fell forward six times. Right, exactly. He was sacked, but actually went across the line, so they didn't count it. But like, and Naheem Hines, great in space, whatever. Philip Lindsay hates the Broncos front office because of the unceremonious way that things ended. Is he going to be motivated? Sure. Is he going to catch any passes? No. Is he going to pass block? No. Deion Jackson's fine. Reminds me of Anthony Thomas. You guys, there's certain football references. Like I do, I'll do a show with people. I'll be like. Reminds me of Anthony Thomas from Michigan. Yeah. And people are like, I have no idea. But when I say that to you guys, I know that you'll understand it because Deion Jackson, undrafted from Duke, has those scissor legs, right? Like Anthony yeah. Thomas did, where he's, <laughs> you're big, but you like stand up way tall when you run. Uh, but Jackson does have some big playability. We'll see what happens there. But for the most part, uh, Denver is going to make you one dimensional. And that plays right in their hands because Matt Ryan's not good. And the Broncos pass rush, even without Randy Gregory, it's going to have Baron Brownie. They're going to get after the quarterback tonight, and that's advantage for Pat Sertan and the rest of the Broncos' secondary. Yeah, Sertan on Michael Pittman should be a great matchup, but Sertan is playing absolutely fantastic right now. For those who haven't seen on FO, Derek Klassen wrote his film room on Pat Sertan this week, taught it, called him the best cornerback in the league. So he he did really well against Devontae Adams. Like half of Devontae Adams' catches last week were in like zones – uh, like zones yeah, that yeah. were there were other people on him. It wasn't right, right. There were little underneath things and stuff like that, or they moved him across. I think he had one catch against Sertain. You're going to get one catch in the NFL. Yeah, it was early right. on in the game. Yeah, yeah. And he was yeah, like, yeah. oh look, he got a catch like on Sertain, and then he like didn't get another one like the rest of the game. Yeah, they were John. They were chirping at each other during that contest, and that first one was like, oh man, Devontae's going to get it, and then he never got it again. Yeah. Uh, and that that was all the rest of the way. Pat Sertain doing his thing. Ross is uh, the Ross, the uh, producer, pointed out to me that the Broncos actually retweeted Derek's article and highlighted it. So thanks, Broncos. Thanks. Good work, and thank you, Derek, for writing that. Oh uh, yeah, because that also uh, inspired my pick of the night, and my pick of the night for tonight is going to be Broncos defense and special teams anytime touchdown scorer at plus six fifty. You talked about the nine fumbles, the interceptions, the opportunities for strip sacks, etc. Broncos punt returner is awesome this year, but the young man's name is escaping Montreal me. Washington from Samford. Yeah. 
he can run, he can move, he can shake. So at plus 650, I'm going to be sitting back like I do a lot of times and watching Matt Ryan make mistakes and seeing if I can profit from it. And by the way, George Howard, yes, Broncos are still, as of right this moment, 3.5 point favorites. Yeah, yeah what's I, funny is, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but on the Montreal Washington tip, I'm the only one in Denver that like chirps on that pick. Because I wanted Isaiah Pacheco, because I wanted Tariq Woolen, because I wanted Jalen Watson, because I wanted Skylar Thompson. And I'm on, I'm on record because yeah. during the draft broadcast, and I do all three days, and I was like sitting there in the fifth round. No, Montreal and Montreal's a great kid, and he is explosive, and he is quick, and he is he could return one for a touchdown tonight. But Montreal himself didn't think he would get drafted. And I'm like, okay, now you have no Javante Williams. What if you had Isaiah Pacheco? That looked pretty nice. Uh, last I checked, Jalen Watson has a pick six, uh, and for the Chiefs against the and Chargers well last week, Tariq Woolen had a pick six, and he's yeah. six four and he runs a four two. And I think Skylar Thompson, I'm telling all my trading card nerds because I did a comic book show a couple of weekends ago, I was a featured artist, and mm -hmm. all the trading card guys came up to me like, As much as you know about football, why don't you spec on football cards? I was like, ah, I'm, I'm a comic book guy, but if you want to buy up all your Skylar Thompson rookie cards. Because if Skylar Thompson does anything, right? It's like everyone with Cooper Rush rookie cards. I actually have like a Cooper Rush rookie card. I dug out of the okay. archives from when I used to collect a little bit more. Because I'm like, that guy's going to make some money. He's going to make me some money on eBay, you know, 50 bucks or whatever. But like, okay, yeah. Do it now. Thompson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sell it now. Sell it now. Yes, yes. Before more films out and it gets exposed. But like. I think there were players at the time that George Payton didn't need to get cute and go to Samford division two and get a return guy. Um, again, good guy, good skill set. All those things are true. I just felt that the right value would be seventh round or undrafted, get you a Pacheco, Tariq Woolen, Jalen Watson, et cetera. Yeah, well, one good play tonight gets me plus 650, so stop slagging on well, it. Well, it's going to get me too because now I'm going to go <laughs> jump on it. I like, I mean, I like the just the straight line. I mean, I think Broncos three and a half. I feel like this line should be more. The FO plus picks formula feels like this line should be more. Like, I, I feel like the Broncos get really back on track tonight. I think the Colts are a mess. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's good news for the Broncos because you lose to the Raiders. Broncos still hate the Raiders. I don't know if Russell Wilson hates the Raiders or Nathaniel Hackett hates the Raiders, but you, they'll get used to it. You know, and I think to wash the taste out of your mouth, to cleanse the palate, if you will, um, this is the perfect time to do that. It's Thursday night and it's opponent who's down. It's opponent without their best player and Jonathan Taylor and you're at home. So perfect time for that. It just takes Melvin Gordon hanging on to the rock because Latavius Murray is probably going to start as soon as he's up to speed the offense, especially if Gordon doesn't look good tonight. Interesting. So there's your um, fantasy football spec request. Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm not betting the line on this one. First quarter, we've got a seven and a half over under. I know the Colts offense has been terrible in the first quarter. DVOA Broncos are third, I believe, in DVOA offense first quarter. There's a possibility here that they get the ball twice, get 10 points, or possibly there's a points off turnovers. I'm looking at the first quarter over at seven and a half, despite the woes of both offenses. I think we can clear that. And my anytime scorer, 
Yeah, and, and they need to get off to that hot start to build that momentum because you don't want what has happened in the Broncos win. And I feel like even their wins feel like losses, mm-hmm. right? Because they're like, hey, you beat the Texans, everybody. Yeah. Like, But you're a close game against Seattle, and it was two fumbles inside the five, one from Javante, one from Melvin, that cost you the game, basically. Yep. You know, you're, you're, you had a chance against the Raiders. You were coming back. Russell Wilson was making some plays, and then things fell apart for you. Um, but, you know, so it's like, you don't want a team like the Colts to hang around because they'll just figure out a way to beat you, yeah. even without Jonathan Taylor. So get that early lead, get out to that start, and yeah. the Colts will be like a turtle on their back. And there will be an urgency on the Colts to get some points early as well. And there might be, you know, razzle-dazzle type stuff, whatever, to try and make, generate some early offense. So I'm looking my over in the first place. Yeah, some flea flicker to Alec Pierce or something like that. There you go. All right, let's move on and talk about some of Sunday's games. Now, it's not a great Sunday slate, as I've noted. It was kind of hard to figure out what games to talk about. One of the biggest games for playoff odds this week is the Steelers and Bills. And I was like, let's (laughs) not talk about a game with a 14-point spread. But here's an interesting one. The biggest game this week for playoff odds in our simulation is Atlanta at Tampa Bay. That sounds nuts, but both teams are two and two right now. (laughs) And so if Atlanta wins this game, their playoff odds go to 58%. It's 27% if they lose. Whereas Tampa Bay, we have at 86% if they win and 61% if they lose. Tampa is fifth in DVOA, but Atlanta is actually 11th so far, and they've had the better offense so far. So, I mean, that's weird. That's not what anybody expected. And they've done it while hardly ever throwing to Kyle Pitts. Right. The guy that they take in the top five that's supposed to revolutionize the position, right? It's like, I don't care if he can't get open against number one corners or whoever's covering him. Figure out a way. Scheme it open because he's a huge target. No Cordero Patterson. They got Tyler Ogier, the kid from BYU in there. Caleb Huntley, they brought up off the practice squad. So they'll be fine. But this is weird considering every week, aren't we on the Desmond Ritter watch? At least it seems that way, right? Where we're like, is Marcus Mariota going to make it or not? That's the thing. Like We we worry about the injury, I think. But like Mariota's playing well enough that there's not this – it's not like what we saw in Pittsburgh where it's like, when's it happening, when's it happening? It's like, Mariota is healthy, is is running this offense pretty well. By the way, Pitts has not been practicing the last couple of days, and I want to throw this number at you. You talk about not targeting him. Last two games, Kyle Pitts, 72 snaps out of 112 on offense, 72 out of 112. Parker Hess, the tight end three, 91 snaps out of 112. This is probably an Albert O – Maybe it goes beyond the lack of blocking situation. There's something going on here besides a hamstring and a, oh, well, you know, schematically we're doing this. Something's up with Atlanta with confidence. If, if you don't think he can block like a tight end, just think of him as a wide receiver. Right. Even if you only think of him as a wide receiver, he's a very good wide receiver. Don't take him out of the game. Like, just don't use him to block if you don't think he's good at blocking. Yeah, I, I think this is a larger conversation if you guys want to go there because you guys are the two that could. But it's like there's so much old school in the NFL, sometimes it's poisonous. 
You know what I mean? Because it's like, well, in our day, we just did two a days and we carried water and walked to school uphill both ways. And if you're not putting in foot, does he love football? How many times when we're on the senior bowl or whatever, like, and we get the, does he really love football and anonymous scout bull crap that we get before the draft? Like if it's something like that, come on, NFL, you got to be more modern in your thinking, especially when it comes to a modern player, like a Kyle Pitts. I don't remember ever hearing anything about Pitts along those no, lines, though. No, nope. no, nothing like that. Michael Walsh says Pitts says Jimmy Graham. That would make sense. Graham couldn't block, but it's like get him out there one way or the other. Yeah, run two tight end sets, limit his blocking needs, put him in the flex, put him in the slot more often, whatever. I, I'm not sure. Maybe the hamstring was bothering him in the past, and now he's on the injury report. I don't know. This seems odd. That's not what this looks like. Right. It's going to be interesting. The Falcons running game, uh, The Fal- I know some of it is Corderell Patterson. Yeah. But their offensive line has been much improved this year, the Falcons. Yeah. And they are number two in run DVOA. Yes, some of that is Patterson. But Algier and even Caleb Huntley was getting yards last week right off the practice squad. I was like, who is this? I've never heard of this person. Who is this person? And it's like their running game is clicking. And their offensive line, which was a real problem last year, is much improved. Yeah, and don't they still have Damian Williams too? Top my head. They still have Damian Williams. Yeah, yeah, and he's a good player as well. So it's just Huntley was getting some work, and he was looking good. And that's something where if you're the Falcons, that settles things down for your Marcus Mariota to run the system that doesn't include Kyle Pitts. Run game settles it all. Tampa's defense has been average against the run so far this year, but I have a feeling that's a little bit of a small sample size fluke because the Tampa defense has been really good against the run for a couple of years now. And it's all the same, you know, it's still Vita Vea and Devin White, Levante David. And um, I, I, I have a feeling that they'll be better against the run than that. So that makes this an interesting matchup to Atlanta front against the Tampa Bay front when they run the ball. Yeah, I think the Tom Falcons- Brady stuff makes it interesting as well. Sorry, Mike, because I'm thinking Rashad White, because playoff Lenny is, uh, you know, playoff Denny's. He's I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we yeah, thought so- he'd be really good this year for fantasy. He hasn't- and the thing that I love about Rashad White is the kid has always wanted it in a, a somewhat respectful way because some kids come into the league and they're like, I'm just here to do what they tell me. White's been like, I want to start. Right, right. Well, he might be getting a larger role going forward. You got Brady, by the way, on the injury report with the finger, with the shoulder. We've seen Brady on the injury report before, and it's like, oh, it's no big deal. This is more specific, and it's an older – and I'm not getting into the other stuff. But this is an older <laughs> – This is an older broken heart. Uh, no. I was going to say, Brady's on the injury report with a broken heart. Yep. He's on the, with a broken heart, with an injury to the finger. He's on the phone to She-Hulk. He, he needs a lawyer uh, to sweep. But that's not what we're talking about. Legitimate injuries – could be a factor in a game where I believe the Buccaneers are, are, are laying a lot of points in this stuff. Eight right? and a half. So, yeah, that's the question is who would you go with here, Buccaneers or Falcons with a line of eight and a half? I think that if I had – I don't want to bet on this game, but if I had to, I think I would go Falcons and take the points. It doesn't that seem odd? <laughs> a Tom Brady Buccaneers now? team. Yeah. Mike, you're making a little nine symbol. Nine and a half. I can't make a plus. Nine right. and a half. At, that you you use uh, DraftKings, right? I'm using DraftKings nine so, and a half right now. Yeah, that's looking more. Not I have a rule. Looking like Falcons. Never ever 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 bet on the Falcons, but I would lean Falcons. Yeah, because falconing doesn't lose backdoor covers. Falconing loses wins. 
Right. But they also just ruin your Sunday. They find ways to ruin your Sunday. And Brady's won the last four matchups with the Falcons. Average score was 14.5 margin of victory over the last four uh, Bucks falcons games. But this still looks different. This still looks a little different. I still remember the 28th. Everyone has a 28-3 story. But I was sitting in the auxiliary press box at the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. I'm there at the Super Bowl, whatever. But there was a dude from the BBC, and he was like, tell me about the NFL. And so I'm like, I'm an NFL expert. Let me tell you everything. When Julio Jones catches that one pass on the sideline that's like inside the 10 yes. or whatever, I, I went to the Falcons locker room. I looked at the dude from the BBC, and I was like, this is over. And I wanted to be in the winner's locker room. So I just went downstairs. And I watched on a TV from the Falcons locker room as they choked away that Super Bowl. You were in the auxiliary. I was in the tent. They put yeah. me and Doug in the tent. Okay. And, and, we're, and we're just looking at each other. like, And I'm just deleting paragraph after paragraph of people right <laughs> about the Falcons. The good thing is we didn't have to go down all those steps and everything. Like, we're like 20 paces. Like, let's just go to the Patriots locker room before overtime starts because we know how this is going to end. And we. I was just on Twitter just, like, writing about how this didn't make Tom Brady worse and that it's better to lose a Super Bowl than to never make it to begin with. And then all of a sudden they're coming back, and I'm like – Wait a minute, what? Right, right. <laughs> What's happening? Inconceivable. Um, <laughs> go back. Let's go back to Denver Indy just for one question from Squilliam Garvez. Uh, what do you think Michael Pittman's fantasy value will look like tonight against the Broncos secondary, especially without JT as the running back? And I, I said earlier, I mean, I think they put Sertan on him and that yeah, would yeah. make not good fantasy value probably. Yes. Yeah. Now, based on where you took Pittman and how he is on your fantasy team, you're probably still going to start him anyway. But you should expect like wide receiver flex production. That's if I were just flat ranking him and you didn't have to worry about where you drafted him, like where are you going to put the projections for Michael Pittman this week? Yeah. Wide receiver three flex, which isn't good given his skill set and what he normally produces, which is wide receiver two, wide receiver one levels. I don't even see a prop yardage for Pittman. I'm seeing a prop. Uh, receptions at 5.5, but it looks like looks like the house is worried about him getting blanketed tonight if they're not putting a yardage prop up for a wide receiver one. So that's that's when we saw Pittman at the Senior Bowl. I was so excited because I love his game. I appreciate his dad as well. Um, but like at the Senior Bowl, he wasn't he wasn't mossing people. He wasn't using his frame. And it was actually Denzel Mims at that game. It was like, oh, look at that guy. And it's like Pittman, come on, use your frame. Like and but against Sertan. You can't really use your frame because he's got a frame too. Yeah. Pittman's he says Pittman or Romeo Dobbs against the Giants. Mm. Romeo Void. Uh, Romeo, where art thou, Romeo? The Henri part of me almost wants to take Romeo in that part and just be <laughs> like, "Hey, Rogers loves him, and if Rogers loves you, well, consider yourself lucky." You got the Giants who are doing everything they can. I don't think that they have the secondary to 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 keep right. up. If these, if these kids hold on to the ball. Right. Here, here's another fantasy question. Would we start Russell Wilson tonight? Kirk Cousins against Chicago? Mm. Or pick up Jared Goff and play him against the Patriots? Mm. And Goff gets too confused. Belichick is like, what's that meme of the guy leaning around the tree, like <laughs> licking his lips, right? Yeah. That's what Belichick is doing because he's facing Goff. So I, I have a lean Cousins. Um, just because with what with Russ, let's see him cook before you eat the meal. All right. The, like, uh, let, let's see it. 
the uh, FO projections like Cousins a little bit, especially with Cousins playing indoors. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. That's that game right. is indoors. Um, so that, I think, yeah, I think I would go with Cousins also. Cecil said Cousins. The projections say Cousins. I think I'd say Cousins. Uh, let's talk about 4 p.m. games. Philadelphia at Arizona is one of the big 4 p.m. games. The, the 4 o'clock games are better than the 1 o'clock games this week. So this is an interesting one. I went looking at, like, pressure stats and stuff. This shocked me because the Cardinals' defense has been so bad this year. The Cardinals are actually third in ESPN's pass rush win rate. Isn't that crazy? Like, I, I, I would love to know more specifics about that. The Eagles are sixth, by the way. Yeah, I, the ESPN's pass rush win rate, win rate, folks. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting. Like, also, both teams are really high in pass block win rate. And I know yeah. that the Cardinals' offensive line is a little underrated and has been for years, but uh, I don't know where the pass rush. I would have to look at the individual numbers to see where that pass rush is coming from. With the Eagles, we know where the pass rush is coming from, and it's not just by the way the ESPN numbers. The, uh, the Pro Football Reference's um, pressure rate: the Cardinals are tenth in pressure okay. rate. They just can't cover anybody. The problem is the secondary can't cover anybody, and also they drafted these two linebackers who just haven't developed. Right. Right. Isaiah Simmons never became what we thought Isaiah Simmons was going to be this ultimate Swiss army knife. Right. Just has not happened. Zayvon Collins. It just has not happened for him either. And so like, for example, they're really strong covering wide receivers this year, but they're 29th against tight ends and 32nd against running backs because those (laughs) linebackers are a problem. It's like a Swiss Army knife where it's all spoons, right? You're like, where's the? Can I get at least get a corkscrew? Like, what's going on, Isaiah? So Dallas Goddard could be a big Dallas Goddard game. Miles Sanders Mm -hmm. catching the ball a little bit. Dude, I've got Kenneth Gainwell as a what the heck flex this week from a fantasy perspective because it's like they're either going to get up big and then Gainwell's going to do it after Sanders is done. I know what Boston Scott's a little bit banged up, so if you want to get crazy, like, are we starting Trey Sermon this week? Like, I don't know, but. I got Gainwell as a as a as a guy that I want to get in my lineup if I'm kind of like, eh, what the heck? Throw him in. They like rotating him in. They like getting him the ball on screens and things too along the way. A couple of injuries on the Eagles offensive line worth noting that we may be seeing Jack Driscoll in place of Jordan Malata at left tackle. Uh, there's also one of the injuries at guard. I wind up having a hard time with all the last names of some of these guys. I think it's Opeta might be playing at guard for the Eagles, but you talked about, by the way, the backups tend to be good backups for Philly. There's always a plan B. Driscoll's been a good, solid backup at various line positions for a couple seasons now. You talked about Eagles getting off to a start. Cardinals, 29th in first half offense. Eagles, second in first half defense. Okay. So that's an opportunity. And, and it flips the other way, by the way. The Eagles are fifth in first half offense. Cardinals are 27th. So this is a game that could steamroll early. If Cliff Kingsbury is an offensive genius, shouldn't he be better at scripted plays? I realize that's a measure of the whole first half, not the first 15 plays. But, right? Offensive genius sometimes means look how clever that play looks. Right. Look at the design. And honestly, their default mode, because I think in football – you get a lot of coaches that just go into default mode. And for Cliff Kingsbury, isn't their default just, Kyler, go do something? Kyler, yep. go, go, run around, you know. And who's the – somebody said it, and it's true. 
now that I, somebody said it, Kyler Murray looks like the little kid that stole his mom's phone and won't give it back. <laughs> right. Kyler, go steal the phone. Steal the phone. You know, that's their, instead of Omaha, it's like <laughs> iPhone. <laughs> this <laughs> title says even Rich Kotite could get the first 15 plays right. Ooh. Well, that's 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 bad comparing someone to the co-tight. Oh, the co-tight <laughs> doesn't you know, get much worse. The first 15 plays tend to be 15 different formations, 15 different concepts, trying to get the ball to 15 different players. I don't think that's how it's supposed to be done. But if you watch the early Cardinals, uh, you know, first quarter, it's like, oh, that's a neat design, that's a neat design, and it's a loss of three a game, yeah. Two. Yeah, yeah, get Slim Reaper in, Devontae Smith on the Eagles side. I'd say on the Cardinal side, is it any, like I talked about uh, Rashad White, so like I'm going to talk about Eno Benjamin. You know what I mean? Because when the Cardinals like fall behind, does that mean James Connor's going to still be in, or is it time for Eno Benjamin to do his thing? Like, so you know, there's some ways where you can kind of game the system if you feel that the Cardinals are going to fall way behind, and you feel that Eno Benjamin maybe is their better option as kind of their fast paced back, then maybe he is worth uh, what the heck flex this week. And Benjamin might be kicking off again. Both kickers are banged up. The uh, Cardinals brought in Matt Amendola. And the Eagles brought in Cameron Dicker. Oh, Dicker the kicker. Cameron Dicker. I think it's Cameron. Maybe it's Chase Dicker. It's um, something Dicker. There's just a huge gap between these teams and our numbers, both in the preseason projections and in how they've played over the first four weeks. So I'm big on Eagles minus five. I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I, even with a couple of offensive line injuries. I just I think they're a way better team than Arizona, and now that everybody's joining me on the Eagles bandwagon, I'm going to ride it with the minus five. The mentality here in Philly is it's a trap game, which is basically Eagles fans with our anxiety issues just being like, "Oh, we're going to take a loss this week, so that we're, the expectations aren't high." I like the minus five and a half. I may play the minus three and a half Eagles first half because they're such a strong first half team because the Cardinals are such a weak first half team and goofiness could happen at the end in terms of uh, the spread or whatever, but I'm still leaning Eagles for the overall play. Philly fans, you don't need to be Admiral Akbar. And I think all of us could take out a moment and just reflect on the development of Jalen Hurts. Yeah. We were there at the senior bowl and Justin Herbert was there and he, he looked different than everybody else, but there were times when you watch Jalen Hurts, you're like, oh, this is really rough. There were times when Steven Montez looked better at the Senior Bowl than yeah. did Jalen Hurts. So, like, to make these strides as a passer, as he's done, it's kudos to the Eagles staff. It's also kudos to Jalen for taking those steps that a lot of people had just assumed, oh, he's going to run around all the time. That's all he's going to do. Like, no, they've put the tools around him, and he's responding. Very true. Very true. Other big four o'clock game, Dallas at the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are, you know, two and two, but they're not great in DVOA. The Cowboys are shockingly good at DVOA and three and one. And we're all waiting for Cooper Rush to turn back into a pumpkin. But also they're mostly doing it with defense. Like their defense is fifth. They also have better special teams than the Rams so far this year. But I mean, the Cooper Rush, they like, we're all busy, so busy. Uh, I feel kind of like we're so busy waiting for Geno Smith to turn back into a pumpkin that we forgot to wait for Cooper Rush to also turn back into a pumpkin. But <laughs> the main difference is we all expect that Dak Prescott will return in a week or two. So it's like, oh, yeah. they got this, they got this run and they're doing it. Whereas Geno has this whole season. 
to play right. out. And people have to say, well, I might want him as a fantasy pickup or I might want to do an over-under on the Seahawks. So that's why there's a lot more Geno chatter. But some of us might have Cooper Rush rookie cards, right? Season one. That's exactly. That's You're digging out, out, of, out of your collection and seeing what you got. But I, I look at it and I go, Dak Prescott can't grip a football. Why didn't they put him on IR? <laughs> said, oh, he'll be back. And then they comes out this week. Jerry's like, he can't grip a football. Okay, that's a problem. Um, uh, but you have like no Brown's not going anywhere. Speaking of what the heck flex, you know, with Michael Gallup back, it doesn't mean that Brown's just all of a sudden out of it. We're watching the health status of Dalton Schultz, of course, and obviously CD Lamb's gonna do his thing. Doesn't this just feel like a big Zeke game, though? Even though we all can admit Tony Pollard's a better back, it just feels like a Zeke game to me. Uh, and then on the flip side, if Matthew Stafford's elbow isn't good, it could fall off in this game against the Cowboys pass rush. Rams have been reasonable against the run this year, though. They've, they've not been a weak run defense this year, I don't think. They've been not so strong against the pass rush, though. And against Yeah, the I pass rush has not been great. And um, their pass blocking has been, of course, awful. And you got Micah, Tank, and Dante, and they're all their little friends out there. Dallas is a number one in ESPN's pass rush win rate. That makes sense. That's one I can get behind. Yes, yes, <laughs> for sure. So if you're Matthew Stafford, I mean, you should want to run the ball. Like there's problems with these offensive geniuses, and it's the same thing I say when I yell about Buffalo. Stop ignoring the run. And if you're the Rams, like you could use a little more Daryl Henderson. Well, you the problem a is the running more. game. They keep running into the line for nothing. I mean, they keep they're not. Really yeah, their line woes are bad. Yeah. The, the, the flip side of that is, I was doing some research. Maybe two weeks from now, folks will see it. The style of the running plays. To all those offensive gurus, it's like it's like a four-play running game. Like if you look at the say, if you pull up uh, how many pulling guards, how many two backside pullers. How many trap concepts and everything like that? Who are the leaders? The Browns are the leaders at the top. Falcons are high up, up on that list. You look at the bottom, it's all the mini McVeighs. No, that running game is a waste pitch to the Bengals. That running game is a waste pitch to the Rams. Some of the other teams that are in that, the Chargers are in that list as well. It's like, oh, we got like four run concepts. That's what they ignore. So you just say, run more, run more, you'll get no gains. But like, can we get something where we're, you know, we're, we're putting a little subterfuge, some counters, some other concepts in there? Maybe you'll get results. Um. One interesting stat I found, both of these defense have been very strong against passes in the middle this year. Hmm. Cooper Rush has actually been very good passing to the middle of the field, and Matthew Stafford has been terrible. <laughs> and Allen Robinson has disappeared. Like uh, the he day did. after Blake Bortles retires, it's like, did except he take Allen Robinson fades, Except for goal line fades, <laughs> right. it feels right. like there is always a defender just stapled to him, and he cannot get away. Yeah, and his 1,400-yard season, we all have to remember this was 2015. Yes. Okay, in football years, that's a lifetime. Right. So this whole, like, and they got Allen Robinson, and he's got the best quarterback. The best quarterback doesn't have an elbow. Like, <laughs> yes, it's the best quarterback he's ever had, but he's 100 years old, and his quarterback doesn't have an elbow. <laughs> By the way, I got a prop if folks are interested. But I'm not taking this one, but I wanted to put it before the group here. And it is C.D. Lamb, Cooper Cup, 20-plus receptions combined at plus 800. And the only thing keeping me from playing this is Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey's not been good so far this year. The Rams are 30th. I realize it's only four games, but the Rams right. are 30th against wide receiver ones this year. They've allowed some 
big gains to top wide receivers. Yeah, I know Debo's part of that, and Debo was doing sort of a different thing. Right, but plus 800 is – that's a fun one to root – I mean, that's a fun what? one to root for. And, my God, the Rams just cannot stop feeding Cup because Robinson cannot get open. Right. right, so that's like 12 receptions right there. Even if it's just like throw him the screen, do the wraparound, do, do a shovel on the, in motion to get him the ball. So you're kind of like saying, can I get C.D. Lamb up to eight or nine receptions? Again, they'll probably feed him a little bit with shorter stuff and get plus 800 out of it. I'm not taking it, but I'm but submit it for your approval. All right. Ed Nabo, I don't want to go, I don't want to do too many minutes on this. He says, should Dallas just go with Cooper Rush? I've always felt Dak is completely overrated. Which one of us wants to go first? I I I feel Dak is one of the top, he's not one of the top, top quarterbacks in the league, but he's very healthily like in that eighth or ninth area yeah don't be fooled by the first game of this year right in the long term Dak prescott has been a very solidly above average starting quarterback Dak prescott needs to come back he needs to start and the cowboys need to trade cooper rush like i need to trade in my cooper rush uh rookie cards on ebay right now he would make he would look great in a uh patriots uniform i think that would actually make those rookie cards go up because i think a lot of Patriots fans would sk- speculate on that. I just want to pull up Dak's DVOA. Uh, he was third in uh, he was third in D- DVOA last year. He was eighth in twenty twenty. He was sixth in twenty nineteen. So that's I mean, I mean that's, that's, that's it. Yeah, 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 I don't, you're yeah. putting that against a guy who's had a couple of starts where hey, here's the ball close to midfield because we sacked the quarterback a million times. Go get us a, a, a touchdown or a field goal, and Rush has delivered. But I don't think there's any comparison there. I'll point out that the um, the over under formula, which is now featured in FO Plus, get yourself an FO Plus subscription underneath this uh, this show on YouTube. You'll find a link to subscribe footballoutsiders.com/slash-subscribe. Uh, loves the over on this game. Ooh. It's big on over forty three point five. It's small on Cowboys plus five and a half. And I think that if I had to bet this game, if I had to bet the line on this game, I would go Cowboys plus five and a half. Your thoughts, Cecil? While I mm. look at the parlay? No, no, it's interesting. It's because uh, I wouldn't uh, have considered that the, to be the case, especially uh, such a large gap there. So, yeah, I mean, I don't believe in Matthew Stafford's arm. So maybe I'd be a little bit down on that because when a guy doesn't throw for six months and they lie to you in the entire offseason, He's fine. He's fine. He's totally fine. Then you get to the regular season. He looks like that. You're like, eh, something's wrong. My eyes do not deceive me when it comes to Matthew Stafford's elbow. You can get the uh, over and the Cowboys a plus 5.5 on a same game parlay at plus 275. Same game parlay fans. That sounds pretty tasty. That's interesting. All right, night game, Cincinnati at Baltimore. This is the biggest game for leverage of Super Bowl odds. Baltimore goes to the Super Bowl in 19% of our simulations if they win this, 11% if they lose. Cincinnati, it's 6% if they win and 2% if they lose. Um, This is, uh, I mean, the Ravens are 2-2, and but like DVOA thinks they're the third best team in the league. And in the preseason, we had them as the second best team in the league. So we're we are really high on the Ravens, like super high on the Ravens. Their defense has been average, not terrible, and their offense has been fantastic. 
Ravens have only trailed, I think, 28 seconds or 41 yeah, seconds. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's less than a minute. Right, right. So have a sense of what they are. I, I'm still trying to figure out who the Bengals are right now coming off of last Thursday's game, which obviously there are other things going on. It was hard to focus on what the Bengals were doing. They went from this team last year that was blowing everybody up with long bombs to a million sacks the first two games to this sort of station to station grinding, trying to run the ball, failing to run the ball. We talked about that earlier. And then trying to get a quick game going and getting enough going in the quick game last two games against the Jets and Dolphins to move the ball and get wins. I have no sense of what their identity is right now. I think in week five across the NFL, we got to like, uh, we have a lot of, they're good, right? Like good. these type of games coming up, yeah. like they're they're good, right? And there That's are a few teams years years that are good. Yeah, yeah, this entire season, maybe it's because no one plays in the preseason anymore. I don't know what it is, but like I, the Bengals, they think they're good. The Ravens, I know, are good, um, but like uh, with the Bengals, is it a Hayden Hurst revenge game? Like I don't know, <laughs> possibly. I mean, the safeties are really good for the Ravens. This, the Marcus Peters is struggling a little bit, and a guy named Demarion Williams, who's like their third or fourth cornerback, is struggling a little bit. Right. So Cincinnati, you know, Cincinnati's going to go three wide all the time, but it's not like they bring that fourth. You know, they don't bring four wide out. They're not making you play your fourth cornerback very much. No, and if you, they have to be very careful that their offensive line is not solved by any stretch of imagination against right. a good pass rush. They can come at you with a lot of different guys, including JPP now, who's been getting onto the field. And yeah, I the do not want Joe Burrow to go the way of Andrew Luck. Like, I don't even want to invoke that by speaking right. it into the uh, into the air. But like, like got to protect your guy. Right, right. But some of it is him. The yeah. problem is that some of it is some of it is the offensive line, but some of it is him. He just holds the ball too long, and he, he won't go down without a fight. Like sometimes Peyton Manning would self sack. You know what yes. I mean? Like Tom Brady does that too. Yeah, sometimes it's just you're just not going to win on that play. Some yep. superhero maneuvers that aren't you know you're not Lamar Jackson. You can't do the superhero escape out the back of the pocket and run. You're going to get your run yourself into trouble, and Barrow does do that from time to time. As you can imagine, given how much DVOA loves the Ravens, like we're very big on this minus three, Ravens minus three in this game. It is in Baltimore, okay. so the Ravens minus three. I mean, home field advantage is only like a point or a point and a half at this point. It's not three anymore, but Ravens minus three suggests that they Vegas only has the Ravens as slightly better than the Bengals, and I think the difference is bigger. And our numbers definitely think the difference is bigger. Yeah, I think that there might be some like, bad mojo and early public money that can't really tell the teams apart. I would lean towards the Ravens in this game. Uh, just again, because everything I've seen, except for a couple of fourth quarters, second halves of fourth quarters, has this is a dominant team with an MVP caliber quarterback. We'll watch about Rashad Bateman a little bit banged up. But they have Devin DuVernay who can do everything that Rashad Bateman does. I'm excited for when Gus Edwards come back. That's probably not going to be this week because right. he's they started the clock, but he's not yet officially activated coming back from his knee injury. But I like Edwards. I don't really like Justice, who's now banged up as well. And yeah. I've never been a J.K. Dobbins fan. But they're getting it done because Lamar's like, come on, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> Mark Andrews, whoever. Steven Ruiz pointed out at the ringer, it's like the all Lamar Jackson offense, and that's a little bit of a problem. And DuVernay and Bateman are playing well, but it's really like they're super dependent on Lamar Jackson. It'll help when they get Ronnie Stanley back. But we've been it saying that be since 2016, I believe. 
What, what since 2016? We've been saying that it'll help when they get Ronnie Stanley back. Yeah. He's sort of like the Michael Thomas <laughs> of, of wide receivers. I, I'm actually going to work up a Ronnie Stanley thing for a future walkthrough called the Stanley Parable, but we'll get to that another time. All right, real quick, Monday night, Las Vegas at Kansas City, another big AFC West game. Um, the Raiders bring a lot of pass rush. The Chiefs have good pass protection, so that'll be interesting. Chiefs do a lot better than the Raiders in DVOA. Uh, Chiefs minus seven. Mm. You know these teams pretty well, Cecil. What do you well, say? What did the Raiders learn from last week's victory? Did they learn, and will they try to play keep away from Pat Mahomes? That's my main question because Josh Jacobs is better than they. John Gruden never thought he was. But mm-hmm. like, okay, will they continue feeding him? They really like Zamir White. He's our running back of the future once Jacobs is done after this year. But will they have that emphasis to stick with the ground game against Kansas City uh, to keep Pat Mahomes cold on the other side? And Clyde Edwards-Alaire, again, I think pushed by Isaiah Pacheco, is really you know the fresh prince of L.A. or whatever. He's like looking fantastic this year after basically looking like a bust or a disappointment over his first couple of seasons. And the Chiefs are really spreading it around other than Travis Kelsey. So it's like, just pick your poison every week with Kansas City because you're going to get it. Yeah, I'm not sure what the what I learned from that Raiders victory last week, except the Broncos are discombobulated in a variety of different ways. And yeah, that late in the game, they could go into like sort of the eye formation or the offset eye and start thud, 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 thud. Little bit of Jacobs, little bit of, uh, of the fact that they had White, they had the fullback out there. And they're hiding the fact that I don't think their right tackle is very good, the right side of their line is very good, and they're thudding it up the middle. So I don't know if that's something that's going to be really helpful against a team that just dropped 48 points. What, the, what, what did the Chiefs drop on Sunday night? Something obscene on one of the best defenses in the league. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, Mike's big play of the week. Bring it on, Mike. It's two games we haven't talked about. It is two games we haven't talked about. I cannot find my notes. And uh, here it is. All right, you didn't want to talk about the debut of Kenny Pickett, okay? You didn't want to talk about the biggest game of the week for playoff odds, Aaron. Well, guess what? You're stuck doing it. Now, even I'm not loony enough to take Kenny Pickett in his first start against the Buffalo Bills defense, unless I can tease that spread a little bit. Two touchdowns are not enough for me. I want it closer to three touchdowns. So this big play of the week is what I call a two-dog tease. Tease the Steelers, plus 20.5, and then another team that's been – Getting close to covering, backdoor covering, lost a backdoor cover late last week. The Houston Texans, who play everybody tough against the Jaguars team that I think we, we saw a little bit coming back to earth against the Eagles last week, teased that line to plus 10.5. So took a two-game parlay. Steelers plus 20.5, quarterback in his first start. You know I love that play. And the Texans plus 10.5. Teased them together, plus 120. That is my 12 Gradillion star, completely degenerate. Pick of the week. Awesome. Once again, you're speechless. You were speechless last week when I took Brian Hoyer and Zap Brannigan. Yeah, and you got you were my God. The Patriots played better than anybody could have expected. So there you go. <laughs> oh, the system works. Bailey Zappy always makes me think of Zap. You know that old Scott Bayo movie from yes. the early '80s. Like Zap- I want to keep the logo that says Zap, except I just want to change it and make it be Zappy. Zappy. All right. Thank you so much to everybody for watching the show, for listening to the show on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network. Please remember to like and subscribe to the show. Please remember to tell your friends about the show. Uh, We're here. Right now it's Monday through Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, but the Friday show is coming back soon. 
Uh, we're sort of reworking it um, on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network, live on YouTube, live on Twitch, 1 p.m. Eastern time, Monday to Thursday. Thank you to Cecil Lammy. Uh, one minute to promote your comic books. What's oh, your yeah, yeah. Eight different IPs I've been working on for years and years and years. Um, everything from superhero stuff to uh, my product called The Familiars, which is basically Harry Potter meets Fox and the Hound animated series. So, yeah, a bunch of good stuff coming. You want to follow us, check out SmokingGunComics.com. SmokingGunComics.com. Only one G in Smoking Gun. To check out Cecil's other work. Plus, he's on 104.3 The Fan in Denver and always covering the draft. He uh, is one of the big draft maniacs at the Senior Bowl every year. Cecil, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate you guys. And the rest of you, Mike will be back on Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'll be back Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Enjoy week five.